So going okay. back to learning German. Yes. Um, actually, do you want to introduce yourself? May I? Yeah. Okay. Didian Hawthorne in the in-between, or DH&I. I'm your host, Mackenzie Gens, and you're listening to our podcast about the relevance of literature in the 21st century. Now bookmark that book, and let's begin. Hi, listeners to Mackenzie's podcast. I'm Raphael, I'm Polish. Uh, we met in German, in Berlin, during our summer course in Goethe Institute in Berlin. Yeah. Um, I'm last year medical student in Poland, and yeah, I got no experience <laughs> in talking about languages, but I'm gonna try. Okay? okay, thank you very much for being on our show. I am very excited to proceed. Okay, so this is an interesting question that I've been thinking about a lot lately because the more and more, um, I, I suppose, the the longer we live, like the longer time continues, the more technology we are exposed to. And um, a lot of it, especially with this like new 5G stuff that's coming out. I don't know if you know a lot about 5G. I don't know, I just saw the, recently the advert of some stick that you just talk to and it, then it's talked back in French language. like. Oh yeah. Well, that and like the 5G is essentially like your toothbrush, your hair dryer, all of these things, like okay. thousands, even millions of things, um, to a single like Wi Fi hub, mm-hmm. and they'll all communicate and talk to each other. And so, like, your refrigerator will send you a notification when the milk is. Yeah, when you run out of something. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so technology within the five, next five years will essentially make the necessity of language learning obsolete. So, why keep learning? Well, that's a question for linguistic and uh, like <laughs> simultaneous translators. But from my experience, I can tell like it's not only about talking with someone. It's more about idioms, more about jokes that you can create in a language, and that cannot be translated. For example, when you make a joke that base on a word, wordplay. Yeah. When you talk about some concept, for example, time. Yeah. I don't know if you if you realize, but in German, when you you just speak with a friend to a friend, they they say like yesterday, tomorrow, mm-hmm. but they doesn't name the time that well as English people do, and Polish oh, too. That's true. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's I like would say like yesterday went to bar at three p.m. Yeah. Yeah. It's harder example, to say that. For example, they use Morgan. For all our uh, audience, Morgan means like tomorrow. morning or tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, it's and no one, no one, like, yeah. <laughs> no one's going to question yeah. which one it is. Yeah, that's very true. It's very context speech. There's um, actually a language. I'll put it in the description or insert it here if I look it up. But mm-hmm. essentially the language um, doesn't have any words for time. So there's no day, night, um, yeah. 
there's no hours. You, you just live from sunrise to the sunset. <laughs> yeah. The, the thing or maybe is, in Berlin from sunset to the sunrise. <laughs> yeah, so there's this like linguist that said essentially, oh, since they don't have any words for time, there's no way they can communicate time, right? That's false. They, they totally have these constructs for time. They totally do communicate them. It's just that they don't have any like actual nouns or words for the passage of time. Very interesting. Um, it's called like the I don't remember. I'll answer it in here, but <laughs> it's this like specific linguist, mm -hmm. and I was looking at it. And it's based on English. It's based on where it comes from. Um, so the guy was French. The linguist was French, but the um, language that he was studying was like it was like Hopi, I think, mm -hmm. the Hopi language, um, which is a Native American language in southeastern Arizona. So a lot of times there are some languages that are pretty small that don't have distinctions for what we would think as English speakers. Okay, but you asked me about yes. how modern device gonna change the way we communicate yes, right. with people that speak different languages. Right, because, okay, so this is a terrifying story and I hope this doesn't have to happen to anyone listening, but I was in, um, where was I? I was in Dresden and um, I was just doing a little solo trip I was on the bus and I had a ticket that I had purchased like 10 minutes before and I had gotten on this, it was a tram I think it was, and I didn't validate the ticket, mm -hmm. but you need to validate the ticket in order, like you need to put it through the little punch card thingy yeah. in order for it to be a valid ticket. So the undercover policewoman like comes to me and she's like, hello, I need to see your ticket in German. And I was like, yes, here you go. And she was like, this isn't valid, blah, blah, blah. Uh -huh. um, and what did happen? Okay, so I got a warning, but it was like an official warning where they like took my address and stuff like that. They took my name. They just wanted to scare you, don't worry. Yeah, I know. But I didn't know exactly what the like warning, she gave me like a basically like a very long letter. ticket. Uh -huh. Yeah, like a letter ticket. And it was all in German and I was like, what's this word? I was like freaking out, like, oh my God. Because yeah. she, did, she didn't ask for any money, obviously, but I was like, what if I like, so have to go to So you just scan this with your, head, with your phone and Yeah, like, well, the Google Translate yeah. app has the thing where you can use a camera and it instantaneously translates all of the yeah, text. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The more it is, the more text it is, it's like better because it's like very exactly, complex translation. Exactly, and um, yeah, and I just, I just whipped out that and I was like, what if I didn't speak any German? I could literally just do that all the time. But I'm like, then the experience also wouldn't be as good as the experiences I've had. Like, just in terms of like, being able to like, run into someone and, you know, strike up a conversation. Okay, but like, situation you're describing, yeah. if you would speak no German at all, mm. you just go in onto the train with the unvalid ticket, <laughs> Yeah. And someone starts yelling something to you. Like, of course you're gonna realize that it's a ticket control. Mm -hmm. And That's what? True. She's gonna give you the letter anyway. Right, right. And she would probably have a lot harder time, like taking my info and like, yeah, going through the process. Yes. But I definitely know people that wouldn't have gone through the trouble of learning any German before, like living here or making an extended trip here. Yeah, actually I met so many people that live here five years and they speak no German. They work in companies run by Germans. And when it's, for example, an IT, it's like modern branch, 
exactly. company, chief said like, the language we're gonna use here in Berlin is gonna be in English. Mm-hmm. Because we have so many partners yeah, in other countries, in Netherlands, in Belgium and so on. Right. That we're gonna run this in English. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's the, the Airbnb that I stayed at in Munich. The guy, he was super nice. And he worked for an IT company, but he doesn't speak any German. And his whole job is in German. But I think, like, I think he, he speaks like a multitude of other languages and he's learning German. He's just like totally a beginner on it. And I think what is happening with this phenomenon is that he can actually like do his whole job very well in German because um, he like got promoted from another thing and then went, moved to Munich um, is that he just treats it like a computer code, I think. Like he just, it's kind of like, because code is a language just as music is a language. And I think he just reads German as you would read computer code and just learns the associations. I had this discussion with a friend of mine that he's like an excellent, you know, IT programmer, if you, if you say it like that, and I asked him the same question, and he's like, man, but when you program, something plus something equals all the time the same thing, mm-hmm. while our language that we use, there is even a term, adjective that you can say, you actually, you can, changing your vo- voice tone, changing the oh. space in between, you can impose on a new sentence to create. Yes, yeah, you can change meaning through some. Yes, how so like, it. and who's speaking? Uh, to whom? If it, that's mother to a child, it means something different. If it's a boyfriend to a girlfriend, it's something different. Boss to the. and so on. So, writing code, it's, that's, that would be way better, but then we would lose all emotional boundaries we have with our language. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's like one of. Yeah, that's like one of the most important aspects of language is not only being able to communicate functionally like i need water uh, or something like that but also being able to communicate like the struggle and the like yeah you need to convince that person you ask hey i need a water that <laughs> she or he will give it to you i i try not to ask this question in a leading way um meaning i didn't try to ask the question being like Oh, of course we don't need, mm-hmm. you know, technology to learn languages. But I think it is important that um, many people nowadays are apt to take the easiest route possible when they're when they're approaching a new language or a new culture. And I think that it's absolutely worth it to make the effort. Um, yeah, like for me, I'm doing a, a bunch of research, as I've already mentioned on the show. Um, that has a lot to do with German, but I'm also incredibly just fascinated and interested and humbled by this experience in Germany, being able to understand a little bit more about German culture and the German language. And I don't think um, if I had just decided, oh, I'm going to put all these articles to Google Translate or something, um, that I would have had at all the same experience. And I wouldn't have been able also to bring the same things to my research. Like the final paper, I think, is going to turn out way different than if I had just uh, BS my way through the translation, essentially. I don't like, of course, when you're reading something in German mm-hmm. and you understand this, it creates a spark of joy to you. It does, yes! <laughs> that, that's the most important because I remember in other Getty Institute in Warsaw, I went to the library, I searched for some book, it was a book about psychology, mm-hmm. and like with a little bit of Freud background yes. <laughs> feedback yeah yeah 
and I didn't understand a word from that. Mm. So I scanned the whole page on Google Translator and select this whole text that I wanted to translate into English or Polish, I don't know, like for me it's, it's similar. And then it really made a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. I could read the whole book that was just in a second mm -hmm. translated to an English yeah. language. Mm -hmm. And I understand everything. I was even, you know, like this psychology about talking about subject of your conscious and your yeah. own ID. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Germans so are obsessed with that. Yeah, yeah, that was quite complicated issue and yeah. it was so easy to understand what Google has thrown <laughs> to you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but what what you told that we're gonna have so many devices gonna translate everything. Our, our toothbrush, I don't know, our bow tie stick, yeah. Yeah. What, yeah. Whatever we have, maybe even our ear. Oh, yeah, ear heating aid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it can all work in fields that communication mm. is essential. Verbal communication, for example, in a company, when you run a business, when you fly from London to Paris, you have some partners that you need to make a deal with. You need to ask them question: Would you like in our product? What you don't like in our product? How do you like the experience you have with our company? Mm -hmm. You need to hear that feedback. Like, you need to make a deal. Mm -hmm. But imagine a situation like more personal. Yeah. You're going to a bar. You're going to a party. You're sitting by the river. You're smoking a cigarette, and then you start to talk to some strangers that looks are your age, some folks, right? Mm -hmm. And then I think the experience would be like quite weird. Yeah, <laughs> if you didn't, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, they wouldn't be so willing to speak to you. Yeah. Because it's not about communicating. Info it's not about receiving and sending the information. It's all about like their emotions and their feelings because that's their free time and they want to spend it as good as they can. In America especially, because there are so many immigrants and Americans based off of this very strong immigrant culture, um, that uh, I've noticed especially with like my roommate and my other friends uh, who are especially like, my dad's from Korea, mm -hmm. so I also partake in this, but my roommate, for example, she'll call her mom and her mom doesn't speak very much English and so her mom will talk to her in Korean and Minju understands Korean, but she can't speak Korean very well yet. Um, and Well, she can, but she just responds in English anyway. Yeah. And then her mom understands the English and then speaks in Korean. So they're having a conversation in Korean to English. And they, they, they get to the point of the conversation and everything. Um, and one can understand the other's language. But it's not, it's not like Minju is speaking to her mom in her mother tongue. And it's not like her mom is speaking to Minju in Minju's mother tongue. So there's this, it almost feels like there's this disconnect um, mm -hmm. between the generations in that way because their mother tongues are different. Um, and that's always been fascinating to me. I've always loved that. Um, just kind of like observing that. And yeah, it's amazing to me that you could be a literal beginner in English, but you know, it's your daughter. Like, you know, your daughter's intonation and the words she likes to use, maybe um, the things she likes to talk about, the people she likes to talk about. And somehow all of that um, translates into something comprehensible, even though you have very little experience with this language, and vice versa. So, yeah, super interesting. <laughs> right. <laughs>
If you enjoyed the discussion and would like to hear more from me, there's a show and a series for everyone, so I'd recommend checking out our brand new website, relevanceofliterature.com, for links to our entire back catalog of episodes. You can also follow us on Twitter or join our Facebook group. Our handle is at DidianIn, two ends total for both of those. And finally, if you want to support the show, help keep it ad-free, and get access to our new private podcast, go to patreon.com slash relevanceofliterature and sign up to become a sponsor. All of the relevant links, as always, are in the description box down below. Still there? One more thing then, remember that leaving a comment or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or any other Guilty Pleasure podcast platform helps leverage the show so that other literature enthusiasts can find the community. In other words, it helps a ton. Auf Wiedersehen!